Commanders, and welcome to episode 130 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode are the episode wonderful Mr. Grant Psycho Cow Wolcott. All right, there, sir, what will you be having <laughs> from behind this beautiful bar? Uh, I would like a bottle of your finest San Miguel Fresco, please. What? <laughs> Labian brandy will be fine, thank you oh, Thank God for that, that's all we've got <laughs> And joining me on his bar stool this evening We have the chief archive here at Lave Station The ever so wonderful Mr Phoenix Defire Otherwise known as Colin Ford Good evening Foz, how are you? Oh good, I'm good, I'm on my second bottle of beer And uh, yes, I'm enjoying being back on the show Last week was good fun and this week is going to be even funner Fun is not a word, is it? No, no. It's, it's definitely good or fun. Good or fun. That's, yeah, absolutely. Good or more fun. Um, if you've been listening to the stuff that was going on before we went on air, which is stupid because obviously you couldn't because we weren't on air, um, it seems to be quite a, a bad night for, for language and ability to speak from your hosts this evening. So I have to apologise up front in that I think this show is probably going to make even less sense than it normally doesn't. Or something. It- into something like that. <laughs> you're supposed to be the intelligent, sophisticated, um, calming voice of the show. Since and if when? you've got trouble, geez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's let's kick it off with a with a, a regular staple of the show. Let's find out what you two Buffett have been up to this week. Starting with uh, you, Colin. What have you been up to? Oh well, um, in game I have been uh, exploring, uh, which we'll probably touch on um, later in the show. Um, there's obviously been a, a, a top shift released a couple of days ago explaining what I was up to. Uh, and then I went down to Mia to try and join in on the war that's going on in there. Uh, not was it, I wasn't able to help. And also found out that Mia doesn't have a shipyard, so it doesn't take advantage of the... Uh, <laughs> you can't fly down there with an asp and then bring a big anaconda down to help out. Uh, Just a word that's... of warning to people. That's the battle that's currently going on with... Uh, well, it's finished now, isn't it? With the Anthill mob. <laughs> the Anthill mob, yes. Penelope Pitstop asked for their help. Um, yeah, uh, it, apart from that, it, it has been manically jumping about the place and uh, uh, just recording a lot of footage. A lot of, uh, a lot of surprisingly scary footage, especially if you see me squeal like a little girl and, and top shift when one of the things surprised me. Okay, uh, and just so that people who haven't regularly tuned into Top Shift, where can they find Top Shift, buddy? Uh, Top Shift is uh, 
available either from a link on the Lave Radio website or it is uh, on my YouTube channel. So you just do a search on YouTube for Top Shift. I think I'm the only one out there. Elite <laughs> Dangerous Top Shift. And what's your YouTube uh, handle? Is it Phoenix Defy or is it Colin Ford? Uh, I think it's actually Colin Ford. Or, but I try both, Phoenix Defy or Colin Ford. Mind you, you might end up with uh, Colin Ford, the actor, who's this teeny actor. <laughs> I have nothing to do with him. Uh, something I have to constantly re- re- tell teeny boppers who are calling up my Twitter feed, telling me that <laughs> I'm a great actor. I'm not. I'm a grumpy old dad. <laughs> a grumpy oh, old forum dad, actually, you know. We've seen you on Dockers. We think you're a fantastic actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost managed to say that with a straight face. Oh dear, <laughs> Grant. Yeah, uh, what have you been up to this week? You're coming to me for a seriousness. <laughs> Try and dig you out this whole boy. Things have gone wrong. Um, it's been a, a, a real, but been pretty, pretty interesting week actually. Um, but that's about it. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Uh, we had we had a, a trip. We were going to go for a cinema trip this weekend, but we kind of cancelled because Susie wasn't quite feeling up to it. Which you know, some days are like that, and you just try and go out when you can. So we did have some lunch out on Friday, which was epic. Um, it's been a bit of a catch up week, paperwork wise, and all the kind of things, and trying to get some things organised in here ready for the the conventions um, and all the kind of bits and pieces of, we've got tons of kit so I bought two massive boxes uh, to put all the kit in and we now have to try and find a day when Saimuf is well enough to come up so that we can organise it all and test all the bits and pieces that we're planning on doing mm-hmm. all of these lovely little tests which lead to a ridiculous setup for the next LaveCon. Uh, but you won't see that, so that's fine. You, you, we'll give you pictures. And um, so I'm quite, quite excited to get all that kind of stuff together. Uh, a couple of issues with the technical streaming last week, so I've tried to try and find a way to, to bypass that this week and see if we can get a nice stream with Elite playing and twitching uh, without any hiccups. And glad to say so far, so good. It's looking pretty good, pretty stable. Um, in fact, I don't even know what it looks like on the stream, so I'll check that in a second to see whether it's stuttering away or not. Um, but yeah, everything seems to be good today, which is always a pleasure. And um, something else is some Kickstarters. Now, I've been chasing up some Kickstarters, and you know that way that you do these things and you back things and you, you look forward to getting the X, Y, and Z, or you don't give a shit and you forget it until something arrives. And this week I received the card game Joking Hazard by the Cyanide and Happiness folks. And... Um, it's awesome. We, we Sky popped over that night to help me attack cats with eardrops. Incidentally, whose idea is it to give cats conditions that require to be treated? I mean, honestly, that just doesn't make sense. Just make the cat die or live. We can't oh, be doing on, with this. No, you can't be doing with this crap. Put eardrops in a cat. Are you kidding me? I've got two of the wee sods. I've got to chase them around the house, then hold them down while we put drops in the. No, anyway, again, that's another thing. I'm recovering from multiple scars um, <laughs> from treating these blooming kittens, and uh, we're getting there. The, the vets again tomorrow, so hopefully they'll tell me I can stop now because <laughs> I've had enough. And <laughs> yeah, the joking. Um, Hazard, it's quite funny, it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but you know, somebody plays a card and it's a, a cartoon cell, and then you play uh, a, 
uh, the sort of punchline card to the cartoon, and the winner that gets the funniest gets to win a point, and it's the first to seven. So we had a good okay, giggle so with that. Give us an example of what uh, what a joke could be. Okay, right. Well, you would have things like um, a picture of them looking at each other uh, with that kind of with no captions. Um, so that's quite a good card for you know um, what you find you know like the first sale might say what you fancy doing today, and the other the next sale might have um, them staring at each other. Then the third sale might be one of them pouring petrol and setting themselves on fire. It can be quite as brutal as you want, um, and obviously with multiple players submitting one for that last sale, it's you can have some pretty dark cartoons because. Um, it's uh, it's yeah, it's going to be an interesting. What do you mean, no sound? Mike Snoswell is complaining that there's no sound on tune in. Hold on a second, but we just double check that everything is firing in all cylinders. Oh no, no! You forgot to push the button, didn't you? No, no, I pushed the button. I tested it earlier on, which means we have dropped cells. Yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to move to a static. Um, screen so sorry for everyone watching on twitch we're going to go to a static screen we're going to drop the gameplay in favor of keeping things ticking over properly bugger i always like it when uh, we've actually still been watching the uh, the chat that goes through and obviously there's a delay here and uh, we're acting on the stuff that goes through the chat and then someone obviously pops up and say you're not paying attention to us isn't that right mike <laughs> Uh, we are getting to it. We're looking after it. We are sorting it out. <clears throat> We're giving the uh, the system a good kick. And are we up? Yeah, you should be. You should be able to hear now. Uh, sorry about that. There was obviously yeah. some kind of um, drop out there. Of, uh, it's just this is the problem with trying to get the Twitch and that working at the same time. It just seems to be causing mayhem. It's, and it's all down to the elite uh, sucking the internet connection and causing it to think that it's dropped. And then it switches back to the automatic system the backup which is no good no good but that's it kicked back in line i'll keep an eye on it um so yeah it's quite an interesting little game it's got a lot of scope for fun i gotta reckon it's probably got a shelf life of maybe five or six plays before you've seen everything and hate it oh really um oh. but you know it's kind of like cards against humanity in the right, in a new group of people, it becomes funny again. With a couple of pints, it becomes funny again. So it's quite good. But what it did was it triggered in my head. You haven't received your con man stuff yet. And I thought, oh well. no, seriously. So you know, yeah, I sent a quick message, and they went, oh yeah, that that campaign closed. I went, yeah, no, I'm waiting for the stuff. <laughs> you pain in the arses. And I'm like going, no, 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 it's closed. And I went. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not closed until I tell you. Because I've been arguing with your suppliers for the best part of six months. So you're not going to tell me I ran out of time. I've given you stuff. I gave you your information. They kept telling me it's coming out here, there and everywhere. And it never did. So no, they're not going to get away with that. But I think they're looking into it now, which is good. So fingers crossed. Okay, so that was going to be raffle prizes for LaveCon last year. And it got knocked back and with delays... And um, so I'm still hoping to use them as raffle prices next year. So, I mean, the Conman stuff, all the digital stuff arrived for me. I only, I only backed the digital stuff because obviously the, uh, the shipping from the States on that was, uh, was ridiculously high. So what have you actually got that you're still waiting on? 
Right, well, there's signed scripts, there's photo books, there's t-shirts, there's copies of it, there's some posters, there's some signed posters, there's a ton of stuff which uh, was all ideal for going into the pile for a raffle. So if you're going to go okay. and get something delivered, I might as well get a ton of stuff delivered. Um, this is probably a good point, actually, in the podcast, although we will mention it. We'll mention it? What the hell's that? <laughs> we will mention it uh, later on as well. But the uh, dates for NaveCon 2017 have been set. So it's at the same venue. So for those people that came last year, it's still going to be at uh, the hotel in Northampton, Sedgebrook. And it's going to be on the 24th and 25th of June 2017. So slightly earlier this year, next year, slightly earlier, next year. Um, so put those dates in your diary, 24th, 25th of June at the Sedgebrook Hall in Northampton. Yeah, um, you better add, do not buy tickets directly from the hotel. They'll go on sale through the LaveCon Lave Radio website, and that's the only way you should buy them. If you do it any other way, you risk being stuck in a room or being turfed out of that room for the venue and then not having benefit of any of the other parts that you know basically you can pay the same rate or you could pay more than everybody else and end up with less so make sure you don't do that if you want to stay on the friday night or the sunday night you can buy them through the live radio.com website when they go on release i just want to avoid the some of the issues from last year where there was someone that had bought the sunday but bought it through the hotel which yeah. meant they didn't get this. So it was a, a danger that they might have to check out on the Sunday morning and then check back in on the Sunday afternoon. And also it wouldn't have gone the right way, so they weren't then entitled to their lunch and their meals and things. So be careful. Only through the Lave Radio website you want to buy them, not direct through the hotel or, oh, wow, that's cheap. I'll buy that through booking.com because <laughs> you'll screw yourself over. So avoid that. Exactly, and the hotel will probably end up refunding you because we have booked the entire hotel again this year. So even if you have a thing in place, they'll probably cancel it when they realise that it's the LaveCon weekend. So rather than try and book tickets, just make sure that you've got those dates set in your diary. If you need to book annual leave, book your annual leave. Make sure you're clear. Make sure you've got no <laughs> uh, weddings, birthdays, funerals to attend on those particular days. Just make sure you pencil it into your diary. Uh, nothing is going to get in the way of you going to LaveCon. Um, okay, so um, moving on, let's uh, let's just say we are actually in game. Uh, all three of us are hoping to be outside the Orange Sidewinder. So if you're anywhere around the the Lave system whilst we uh, record this, you just need to head to the Civilian Broadcast um, and drop out. And uh, we're all sitting next to the Orange Sidewinder. At least I am, and Colin is. Grant, where are you? You you did witness that point where I decided that I couldn't stream it anymore, so I had to hang up the game. Oh, you crashed the game. Okay, I thought you would just crash the stream. No. Okay, so there's, there's Colin and I are sitting outside the Orange Sidewinder. Well, so uh, I am. You're a hundred kilometres away and 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 uh, disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the, the brakes on this beluga aren't exactly brilliant. So uh, to turn. <laughs> Let's see. Let's have a quick competition and see who the the first person to arrive in the Orange Sidewinder, in the vicinity of the Orange Sidewinder, is, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. 
Um, talking about the show, let's have a look. Um, we're going to be sort of doing a bit of an abridged show tonight because uh, there's only three of us and we haven't really had a chance to, to do all the stuff that's going on in the news. So we're a little bit underprepared for once. So we're going to quickly cover off some of the stuff that's been happening in the newsletter, some of the stuff that's been happening in terms of the alien encounters that people have been having. And uh, Grant and I are going to wax lyrical about the passenger missions we've been doing for the last week. So without any further ado, and so I can get myself a beer, uh, Colin, why don't you jump in and tell us all about the stuff that you've been doing in terms of exploration, what you've seen? Well, yes, I mean, um, on, I mean, the, <laughs> how, how should we put this? The big news uh, as, that has happened this week, well, there's been two massive pieces of news. Um, the first one was obviously two days after Guardians was released. Someone posted up, uh, Commander Xdeath posted up that he'd found the monoliths that was shown in the trailer, which took everybody by surprise. And it turned out, and this is the actual fantastic bit, is because what he was able to do is because all the stars are in the appropriate positions where they should be, he was able to use the stars in the trailer to work out exactly where that monolith was. So he basically freeze-framed the trailer for a couple of a uh, couple of seconds, uh, took those couple of frames out, was able to work out the relative position using the nebula, uh, using three or four stars that were still uh, visible, and then on top of that, he worked out that um, as there was a moon in in this particular system or, or around this particular planet, rather, he was uh, able to then find out which particular planet and which particular system these monoliths could be found. And uh, after beachcombing, he found them and then posted them all up, to which David Braben put on a, uh, a reply saying, gee, I didn't expect them to find them that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fairness, though, that is nuts. I mean, that's just taking it to a whole new level. I mean, the fact that the game is modelled so de detailedly detailedly oh come on the fact that it's modeled so accurately that you can actually have the yeah have the idea that you could do that and then have the skill to unpick it all i think it's just phenomenal oh yeah i mean i i mean when everybody when everybody heard the method of how he uh, commander x did it everybody else just went he did what hmm. how the what the flying fudge and so obviously the the location has been uh, broadcast to uh, most of the player base, and for one of my t uh, for my top shift, I went out there to see what was there, and I must admit it is a quite spooky, what looks like abandoned settlement. Uh, it was in in has been mentioned in a couple of the teaser trailers and things like that, and what we have there are what looks like well, it's hard to imagine. It looks like kind of Stonehenge. <laughs> Uh, and it's been nicknamed Exohenge <laughs> by the community. <laughs> uh, so basically, you can drive around it in your SRV. You will uh, discover certain um, urns and special tablets and things like that, which are uh, available to, to basically scoop using your SRV. Uh, and you're able to scan certain monoliths because they all glow blue with a certain pattern repeating on them. 
And once you scan them, it will come back and, and say you have now scanned this from an alien civilization. An ancient civilization, I might point out. A lot of uh, speculation was about that uh, this was some kind of, um, was it, sleeper ship? Mm-hmm. One of the generation ships that had got out there. But judging by um, uh, judging by the, the, the structures, no, these are alien. They're not. They're not. Hum- they're not of human or- origin. Uh, and the other thing that people are uh, speculating about: these things look nothing like the barnacles. So it does look as if there's something else out there, not the alleged thargoids that uh, um, everybody is is worried about. Okay. Did it bear any resemblance to the crash ship that we saw earlier on? No, they don't. The crash ship looks uh, organic. It looks thargoidy. <laughs> if it, that is that is even a term. <laughs> but no, these look like monoliths from two thousand and one. And occasionally, one of these monoliths will just grow right in front of you and glow and and glow blue, which you can scan. And if you watch Top Shift, one of those grew right next to me when I wasn't expecting it and scared the living daylight. <laughs> and the girly what, scream, you know. When, so obviously they're, they're, <clears throat> they're doing something. So is there a sound that's emitted? Do you, when you scan them, do you get a data? What sort of um, information are we getting back from these things? Well, there's nothing that goes into your uh, transactions uh, tab. All you get is the fact that you have scanned an alien transmission. And it's the same with any... Um, any of the tablets or the urns that you scoop. You can sell them at stations, but at the moment, we don't know what to do with them. I mean, I scanned everything. I scanned urns, towers, the uh, the whole nine yards, and there were no clues as far as I could see. But then again, I'm not part of Canon, who are probably reverse engineering this and running it against ancient Aztec patterns <laughs> and doing whatever whatever it is those tin pot tin foil maniacs do but it's just called canon tin pot no tin foil tin foil right yeah they, they actually like being called tin foil hat people but not tin pot people no not tin pot people that was that was uh that was a mistake and i apologize <laughs> just before i get just before i get forum daddy accused again oh god boy am i regretting putting that on reddit i really am <laughs> um so is this the only obviously we saw this in the um in the trailer but is this the only alien site that's been found uh, from for this particular alien thing yes However, the other piece of big news is out by Jax in the, what is it, the Colonia bubble that is being created. Um, Someone has found mushrooms. (laughs) Mushrooms. Mushrooms. (laughs) So was that supposed to be a little bit more dramatic than you made it sound? Well... I feel like you should have had a drum roll or something for that. Mushrooms. <laughs> Mushrooms. No, the, 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 they've actually got fungus growing around um, geezers. In, all of a sudden, I've got the, the image of Ginny, Vinnie Jones with a whole lot of mushrooms going through. You know, I don't know why. But, you know, geezers in, <laughs> geezers in, um, as in, in, uh, as in geysers. Hot jet, yeah, geysers, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> hot jets. Flying everywhere, just like the volcano, um, the volcano vents down at the bottom of the Pacific, where 
scientists have always said, nah, nothing can live there, and they send a probe down there, and there's abundance of life around the around the hot vents. This seems to be the same kind of thing. It's the first piece of non-human life we have seen in Elite Dangerous. Um, you can harvest, and I'm not quite so sure if you can even harvest them, because at the moment, uh, we've only got one person who's out there, and that's Ben. And unfortunately, <laughs> he's got daddy duties to worry about rather than mushrooms. Okay, he but has got daddy's duties, but he has sent us some imagery um, of the mushrooms. Have you had a chance to quickly catch up on those? Well, that's when we've been on air, isn't it? So. <laughs> We're a slick operation, so we can tell, we can talk a little bit about these images. I mean, to me, <laughs> um, they look like um, those ridiculously disgusting sweets. Um, is it ice gems? Where they've got the, like the different coloured sort of like um, meringue thing on the top, which is just sort of like sugar, and then the biscuit thing underneath. Yes, I, I can see what you why you'd think that. I can certainly see why you'd think that. So it's just um, a whole load of um, sort of creamy, browny, um, rock-like sort of ice gems sticking out from the ground. Um, so what can you actually do with these things? These these ice gems, these alien ice gems. Well, from what I can see, you can shoot the fungus off them. That sounds that sounds like a euphemism. Let's shoot the fungus and, and then scoop them. They seem to be some kind of material. But um, again, what you do with that, we don't know. Okay. Uh, and they are literally, absolutely, I mean, they must be looking at the pictures that Ben sent. I mean, they are scattered. You've got a, a massive field of well over 100 um ice gem mushroomy type things uh, lifted in front of him there and if you highlight one of the uh, the fungus it actually comes up material and it's antimony oh. antimony antimony a-n-t-i-m-o-n-y how would you pronounce that antimony antimony is it really a good idea for you to try pronounce things considering how much trouble you've got with words at the moment <laughs> Anti-money, so the anti-money materials, that's what it seems to be. Um, and yeah, at the moment, uh, we don't uh, know antimony? what that's all about. Antimony. Antimony, antimony, antimony. Oh, oh dear. I do apologise to anybody who likes Mary Poppins, because... <laughs> <laughs> right, so a field of ice gems, uh, and you can so you can, you can't mine them per se. You can just sort of shoot them, and uh, the fungus flies off, and you collect the materials. And do we know if this is just in this one location that Ben seems to be camped outside, or have we seen a few instances of this? Uh, at the moment, there's just one instance, just the one. Okay, yeah. and none of these materials have the same sort of impact on stations or anything else like the uh, like the previous alien artifacts had. Well, um, neither of them seem to have. I mean, those mushrooms that you've discovered were seem to be discovered by Commander Alicia, I think that is. Um, and she's making the claim, or he's making the claim, that they, they're they the ones that have found, that have found these items. Uh, and what? Animulia Spires, it says. Okay. That's, that does sound like a, a character out of a Roald Dahl book, though. <laughs> it does a bit. Yeah. Um, and am I right in thinking that there's been a slight change uh, with the update around the, the crashed Thargoid ship? Uh, there's been a few uh, structures and things put into the game um, since it was updated around that area. 
Yeah, um, it does seem that the, uh, maybe a research base is, is slowly being constructed around there. Um, I think it might be an imperial thing, but uh, I haven't been back to that particular base for a while to look. Mostly because I've been trying to fight for the Empire down south but in Mir, but not having much luck. <laughs> cool. Well, I mean, I have to say all the new structures that are popping up in-game, uh, as I said last week, I didn't have any time at all to play the beta, so I managed to install it and I didn't actually switch it on once. So um, some of the civilian structures that have popped up in-game, I came across a, a satellite machine um, just randomly as I was doing some of my passenger missions, and the thing is huge, absolutely colossal. Um I'm just hoping that they've uh, they've mapped out these things in the same way as um, the the ships in terms of being able to walk around these and hopefully get missions on these things later on uh, down the yeah, whatever season it is where they do they're walking around in stations and mission well, that, giving that that's supposed to be season three but uh, at the moment well if I remember rightly these uh, civilian structures although they look impressive they're only temporary. They will only be available in the system due to the the system's state. Okay. So, yeah, apparently, um, there's for one day the shipyard will be outside a, a space station. Next uh, next day, it might be gone. They don't seem to be permanent, and they certainly don't appear on the system map. No. So, yeah. No, they seem to be more like um, like the um, what's those things that you scan and drop out in. Uh, signal sources. That's the one, yeah. yeah. They seem to be like those. Um, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Surely you would want to have some permanent <laughs> structures put in place, such as that uh, research base next to the crashed Thargoid ship, for example. Well, um, and, and that does make sense to me, but uh, it, is, it is a frontier thing, and it's how they've, they've put things in at the moment. So we'll just have to wait and see whether or not those structures become permanent. Uh, and... Uh, what we're going to do with it because I mean one of the things that I always hoped that we'd do is we'd be able to get missions or little tasks from some of the outposts on the planet or or from these civilian structures uh, and we'll just have to wait and see whether or not they're going to implement those kind of uh, things. Yeah because when they back in the DDF wasn't the idea that you'd have like the, the military shipyards and stuff that you'd dock there to get your military missions if you were doing the um, <clears throat> if you were doing the, the military campaign and leveling up that you'd have to actually go to these shipyards as opposed to the 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 station which always seemed to make sense in my head that you know, why would you go to the bulletin board of a space station a publicly owned space station when actually you could go to the military base just across the way and, and collect your missions from there oh um yeah com well it was mentioned in the ddf but obviously you know the uh putting those things together were, was a little bit um more difficult than originally thought so at the moment, all we can do in these um, civilian things is just fly around them and take some nice screenshots. <coughs> at the moment, I believe so. But I have had reports that if you get too close to them, you they fire on you without warning. So oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So um, be careful, everyone. Okay, well, speaking about being fired at with no warning, Grant, maybe this is a good point to uh, go on to our discussion around the passenger missions. Yes, the good old passenger missions. When you sit there in the crew lounge and you're sitting there going, okay, I've got a fighter, so I'm fine if we get into trouble. Okay, God, yeah. Because the first thing I think you'll find um, as a player when you get that Beluga-class cruiser and you're 
thinking, oh, I'm going to make a fortune in passenger missions. You're looking at it, you, you start the load up, and that's when your first problems start. I want shields, and I want a decent fuel scoop, and I want a fighter bay. How on earth yeah. am I going to fit these and have usable cargo space also for their luggage? Uh, and then, of course, the passengers themselves. And all of these things become a multiple five-click essay in finger blisters and pain and mind-numbing... Oh. Yeah, so the outfitting on the Beluga, I think... Uh, needs a little bit of attention. Um, <clears throat> so basically, the Beluga, and like, I'm not sure if it's the same with the Orca, I never actually got an Orca, but the Beluga has lots of big open, um, big open, they have lots of big um, slots. What's the word I'm looking for here? Help hard me out with points. words. Yeah, hard, hard points. points. So they have lots got, of fairly big size hard points. There's the four um, classics um, hard points in it. And those are brilliant because you could get a good fuel scoop in that. You could get a good hanger mm. and you could get uh, a decent set of shields in that as well. And then use the rest of all those wonderful. It's got quite a selection of points on it and, and uh, cargo holds and things. Plenty of room. And yet, what's the issue? Some of them are reserved for cargo <laughs> cabin. <laughs> you can't dump them. You just got to go for another cabin type. And that's all you can do. And you waste clicks. And you, then you go, oh, look, I've got one of those left. I'll just sell that. Oh, God, it's restricted too. Yeah, this is one of the most frustrating things about owning a Beluga is the fact that some of those hard points are actually locked off and can only have passenger cabins uh, put in them. Which means you end up doing a bit of um, a sort of a Rubik's Cube, sort of jiggery-pokery in terms of trying to fit everything that you need to do. And it seems to be a whole heap of compromises when you get the Beluga. So, obviously, if you want to have the Beluga and you want to have a fighter bay in there, it takes up one of your... Is it a Class 6 that you have to take in order to do... No, uh, the Class 6 are the ones would would be brilliant because you've got quite a lot of them. But once, most of them are, are reserved for... Um, passenger cabins so I mean I think I managed to get I think two of them are choosable um, to change it's a real uh, and you know what it doesn't really show you unless I'm just not looking in fact if there's anyone out there how can you tell from looking at the outfitting screen which ones are locked and which ones are not I'm just going to go to Twitch anyone know no, no the, way, the way it happens is obviously you select it and you try and put something in there and only gives you the option of uh, putting in a passenger cabin. Um, so, yeah, Nopolis is saying somebody really doesn't like the new outfitting. No, it's not that at all. The outfitting's always been why do you know one click when seven clicks will do. Um, <laughs> But it doesn't, you know, it's not often you go into your, your outfitting. It's not like you do it all the time. You tend to sort of spend time and attention on it. But the thing is that it becomes really frustrating with the beluga when you sort of think, right, well, I'll try that and I'll do this one there. And you do that and then you start and then you hit it and it goes, right, you can buy a passenger cabin in that slot. No, no. <laughs> I want to put shields in that bit. I don't want classic cab. I don't want... Let me put it in. And all the time, you know, you're getting more and more frustrated and the passengers are sitting there looking at you, wondering why you're ranting and raving, wondering whether or not they're going to bother. So then they withdraw their flipping mission off and you've got to go and... Yeah. So... It is a compromise. There's no doubt about it. So if you want to have a fighter bay, then you have to sacrifice uh, one of your top-end 
um, either a fuel scoop you have to sacrifice or shields you sacrifice or the top end cabin you have to sacrifice. Uh, and people have said, well, if you want a large fuel scoop, then obviously just sacrifice the, the fighter cabins. You don't really need the fighter cabins in the Beluga. You know, the Beluga is all about being a big sort of bus. And it's like, well, no, because you, you, the whole idea is that you want to be able to protect that. You know, and if you're flying out into a dangerous area, you, you want to have the joy of saying, OK, so I'm in a luxury liner, but come and have a go at me and I shall send my, my drones out to protect myself. Uh, and that's always how I wanted to role play, you know, flying around in the Beluga. But it just does not really work that way. Yeah, um, it's that whole thing that you think. Well, I'll put the shields in a lower sort of bracket, a lower class, and then it's like, no, you can't. That you know, because these shields are the, the 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 hard. This ship's too big for those shields. You're like, going, well, what about this one then? No, it's still too big for these ones. Now you're forcing me to put it somewhere I don't want to put it. You pain in the arse. And then you've got a compromise in the fuel scoop, and it's like a hippo trying to sip from a can of coke with a straw. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Yeah, granted. So let's talk a little bit about the fuel scoop aspect. So obviously this thing has got a massive fuel tank on it, which is absolutely great. It means you can do some really long um, passenger missions, which is just superb. The problem is if you want to go somewhere with some of the really high-paying passengers, and we'll get onto the fact that the high-paying isn't really high-paying, somewhere like Jack's or to, to Sag A, the fuel scoop is going to be one of your most crucial uh, elements. And to fill a fuel tank of that sort of capacity with a tiny, tiny fuel scoop, uh, it just takes you forever. Uh, and that's, I don't know about you guys, but fuel scooping is not a fun element of the game. It's very sort of functional. It's a, you know, a need to do. But I don't really get a lot of enjoyment out of fuel scooping. I mean, am I missing something here or is that everybody? So surely we just want the biggest fuel scoop and get that done over as fast as possible. Honk, scoop and go again. Yep, that's the way you want to do it. Want to do it. Rather than this, find the spot that you don't melt at and then go away and make a cup of tea and then you come back and go, no, it's still not done. Go make a cup of coffee and then come back, then come back with a sandwich and then suddenly, <laughs> ah, now I can do my next jump. But, okay, so the fuel scoop aspect of it needs fixing. So in order to actually have the fuel scoop, you'd have to sacrifice your, your fighter bay. Which... I don't think, technically, I don't think anything's broken for us. I think just you and I are stubborn. No, no, we want our beluga and we want it our way. Stop doing these things that mean we have to think. Yeah, and people are saying that if you want to really do those sort of type of passenger missions, then the, the one to do it in is the is the Condor. And I've seen that the Condor is supposed to be the you know, the best transport ship in terms of the frame shift drive, in terms of the distance and everything else. But the Condor. Why would you have the blue? Yeah, the, the Anaconda. Why would you have the blue oh. in the game if it wasn't going to be the best ship for those type of missions? Well, it's yeah. The Anaconda, I think, is more of a, the PC, and the uh, Beluga is the Apple. You yeah, it's it the the luxury, and and it should be able to do the big jumps and things. I think it can. Um, you know, it's got certainly much better than the Orca. Um, but it's it's when you look at these big thirty million pound credit, thirty million credit missions to take you thirty thousand uh, light years out in directions, and you just know fine well that when you get out there, the fussy little snot nose pain in the arse is going to say something along the lines of you know what we're really good out here if we could get some beer you think I'm not nipping back <laughs> 27,000 light years to get you beer mate you can just shut your face and drink the stuff out that tap um, but yeah 
It's, I think, you know, you're right. It should be, that should be the creme de la creme, the massive cruise liner of choice for the officials. And this is the key thing why you need the fighters. And I think, I think we're not disagreeing that there should be a degree of compromising and, and having to change it to fit what your particular mission is going to be. The problem is that it's very tricky and takes an awful lot of time and kind of really frustrates you and spoils it when you get to the next part of the mission, um, which I think both of us have experience of from different points of view. Um, so you've done it, you've got your setup for what you're planning on doing, you then go and try and find your mission. So what you're looking for is, I'm looking for quite a few long-range, distance uh, exploration, because I can do my data, I'll get my collect my data with my scanners as I'm going out as well, so that I can take them out, so they'll give me 30 million, that'll be fantastic, I can then sell all my data, and that's going to be another 10, 20 million credits on top of that, I'll then possibly hit my explorer rank to elite, this is going to be awesome, this is fantastic, this is exactly <laughs> what I've been looking for, it's a reason to go out there, and okay, the time scales are a little bit tight in some of these, but you think it gives you a reason to try, so that's fantastic, and um, I think, you know, that that's, that's where it's, it kind of works, um, so I think, you know, we have to accept this compromise and getting the perfect build, um, and I tended to, on my first of stacked missions, was to get to get more passengers in, because the next thing is the whole Tetris thing of trying to fit them in the flipping passenger yeah, cabins. Yeah. Like, why do you need 15 people in your party? Can't you just tell three of them to fuck off? Or can they not just <laughs> sit down in the, the economy room, because we've got tons of them, and there's no flipping people in the cabin, in the lounge, wanting the economy, so why don't they just... You can take turns. We'll serve you some champagne down there. It'll be fine. Just, you know, send three of them down there. In fact, let them take the book. Yeah, take your suitcases because I've only got eight tons of space, right? Because I couldn't fit any more flipping cargo because I had to fit in your massive party, you pain in the arse, and you've all brought two tons of luggage with you. Where am I going to put that? That's 16 tons of luggage to try and fit in to an eight ton. Come on! <clears throat> yeah. So then, after you've got them all on board, then all the fun begins of flying these guys around the galaxy and getting a forced redirects which has been a bit of a bane in the community. This is quite a few people have been up in arms about this. And in fairness, it is right. So halfway along, halfway along your journey, uh, you can get a mission update. And one of your VIPs, one of your divas says, uh, yes, I fancy what would be fun is if we go to this place instead. So I'd rather not go to that place that's only you know, 50 light years away. I'd like to go to this destination that's 300 light years away. And I'm not going to pay you any extra money. And I expect you to still do it in the same amount of time. And you have to click and accept. And it's just like, seriously, like, what's the hurt? What the flaming feck? Nobody does that. You know, you don't get into a bus and say, oh, I'm paying my money. I want you to change, completely change your route that we agreed on. I want you to go over here or get into a taxi and say, yes, OK. So we started off going around the corner, but now actually you want to go to Canada which is what the Black Fox said on the Reddit one. It was one of the funniest posts on the Reddit. It says, I agree that these sort of forced redirects should be optional with high rewards if you do ex actually accept the passenger's bidding. Currently, it's like stepping into a cab and asking them to take you two blocks and then yelled, to Canada! And expect them to driver to take you and turn off the meter at the same time, uh, which I thought was a fantastic mental image from the Reddit thread. Um, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm all for these redirects and these passengers being a bit diva-esque, but when they're so far from what you agreed to in the beginning, 
uh, and they don't actually end up giving you any more cash for it. I just don't think that's really in keeping with the rest of the game. Well, I think I think Frying Bullet is suggesting that's exactly what happens in the air. No, no Frying Bullet. That's terrorism. That's different. That's when they hijack the plane. That's not when they... It, I, I mean, I kind of see where you're going with that, but, you know... It's not quite the same. Um, and yeah, you're right, it's crazy. And they, they, I don't know, you've obviously had the redirection. I've not had the joy of a redirection. Um, but I think, you know, what got me was somebody, as I arrived at the drop-off station, decided to make a change. And it's kind of like, you're getting off, mate. You, you're, this is your stop. You are getting off. Oh, you know. And, uh, and then one of the other ones pipes up. Oh, I could do with some beer. Really? Really? Just... <laughs> So I still enjoy it, but that's it. So here I am in my balloon. Now, obviously, I've I've balanced it out beautifully. I've filled it up with all the parties I can. It's a full party back there. There's big private uh, luxury lounge carry-on going on. They've got a very important person in there, and they're they're being really snobbish. Uh, All of them are pretty, pretty upset by the kind of concept of dying in the ship. And I'm sitting with 100% hull, not a problem. There's the station. It was a canna, a canta was the station we were in. And we're, a canna is about 30,000 uh, light seconds from the star. So that was a pisser to start off. <laughs> Just sitting there pointing at it going, oh, God, could it not be closer? And then you pull drop out. Oh, it's a Coriolis. That's good. And um, one of the trade-offs I'd made was in order to keep the fighters and have a decent fuel scoop, uh, was of course to sacrifice shields because you, know, you don't oh, need shields. Oh no! Oh god, I can see where this is going. Go on. Well, the beluga fits in the slot quite snugly. <laughs> okay, that's yeah, that's an understatement. Snug is an understatement with this thing. Well, yeah, it's not just that though. It's once you're hooked in that toast track, you're going nowhere. And I was in reverse and watching watching my hull <laughs> go down and watching the notifications in the top of my uh, notification panel go absolutely apeshit as they went from happy and satisfied in one second to let me off this damn thing, stop at your nearest station, and like going, I'm almost in the station. They just wait a couple of seconds to land and they all piss off and I get paid not a penny and it cost me 50 odd thousand credits to repair the damage caused by the docking slot okay so that was that was actually going into the station yes okay so going into the station I haven't found to be a problem because you would normally approach the station at a decent amount of speed the issue I've got is when you take off and you leave the station and you're obviously you know your mind's in other places you've left your undercarriage down you're going at a certain speed and you forgot the fact that once you get into that slot uh the the rotation kicks in and I've been caught three four times now and even with shields and granted they're the, the weaker shields because i downgraded my shields to put fuel scoops and stuff on um but y- you get caught and getting out of that bloody toast rack even with shields on i still watch my ship go down from 100 percent. the worst one was 20 27 i think escaping that before i managed to get out of it again so I don't know. Is this something you'd want to see them changed? Is this something that should have been picked up in beta, or is it just a simple fact that you need to pay attention when you're undocking your beluga? No, I think they just need to possibly upgrade the hull from paper mache to maybe tinfoil. <laughs> okay, so you, you don't think the fact that you need to really 
pay attention when you're uh, undocking is is a thing it's just yeah we should accept that and take it a little bit at speed um and they should uh they shouldn't make it any more forgiving no I, I think i think it's right um if you think about the t9s when you first fly them how tricky they were to get through the slot so it's just a learning process in that respect so i don't think it's going to be an issue and i'll be back and you know flying with no shields once i've got used to the right position and finding that you know the lineup to get it right um and that'll be fine and yeah the weak shields are, are crikey might as well be without shields which is what my kind of reckoning was um and, and the docking and undocking are obviously the first part and the last part of your journey. So the last thing you want to do is do a 30,000 <laughs> light year round trip and then arrive back at your station and then the guy gets pissed off with you as you dock. <laughs> and you get paid so at all. Um, so you really, you don't want to know. T9 docking, Mike Snow as well. Mike, I know you can hear us, so listen very carefully. Stop being an arse. <laughs> I've done speed docking in a T9. We're not whining about a T9. T9 is an awesome ship, but at first mm-hmm. it takes you a while to find that sweet stop. Same when you jump into an Anaconda. One of the best bits of advice we can give you as um, experienced crashers and losers <laughs> of ships is when you buy that ship for the first time, it is worth getting a docking computer purely for your first flight. And the reasoning is that it's, it's a little bit easier to get out of the slot if you're quick enough. And then turn your auto docking on, redock with the station, and watch the positioning in the slot. And it'll give you a good clue as to whether or not all the ships at the top or all the ships at the bottom, or whether you need to aim for the midway point. The Beluga class seems to be three quarters of the way down the slot you're trying to aim for, as opposed to the yeah. T9, which is you're aiming for the bottom. Yeah, and the condo where you're pretty much aiming for the top. Yeah, Mike's saying thank God for insurance. You know what? I haven't lost the Beluga yet. Um, so because <laughs> I that's think the, someone the, might have. the next issue. The next issue with passenger missions is a doozy that we know an awful lot of people have had. I suppose I should probably take over at this point, shouldn't I? Seeing as I have lost a Beluga. Uh, and my first, um, my first crew member, the wonderful Melanie Forbes. I shall remember her always. You never forget your first time, first term. Anyway, um, yeah. So she died very quickly. Uh, I died very quickly, and the beluga died very quickly because um, I hadn't been paying attention to the people that I was taking on board as passengers, and it was just a small hop, no issues whatsoever. It was literally two jumps, um, but unfortunately. I got to the the docking port and I had issues with the tow stack on the way out. So I was thinking, okay, got to make this, you know, got to make sure of this. So let's approach it, line it up, make sure you're all lined up to go in quickly. And of course, whilst I was taking my sweet time lining it up, I was scanned by the station. I thought, ah, it's not a problem, you know. Uh, And then suddenly, very quickly, it became a problem as the VIP that I was transporting turned out to be wanted. Uh, So the station opened up and within... Three seconds, my first beluga was no more. My first co-pilot was no more. And all the passenger missions that I had on board uh, were no more. And this seems to be catching quite a few people out. Uh, It's not really that explicit uh, that you're taking a wanted person. Uh, It's very easy to pick them up without paying much attention. There seems to be a running theme here about me flying belugas not paying much attention. Um, 
but yeah, so if you take someone that's wanted and you do get scanned, and let's be honest, the the beluga is not like a normal smuggling ship where you want to try and boost into the um, boost into the docking slots <laughs> to avoid being scanned. Um, if you are taking someone that's wanted, you will get opened up and uh, destroyed very very quickly by the uh, by the station. Um, so looking around, looking at the Reddit and looking at the forums, this seems to be happening to quite a few people. Um, it wasn't picked up in beta as, as, as an issue. Maybe people were either paying more attention or just weren't playing the passenger missions in beta. I don't know. I don't know if it's something that they just need to make a little bit more explicit in the in the mission boards or whether or not it's just something that we as pilots need to be paying more attention to. Um, yeah, Grant, what do you reckon? It's definitely something we need to to pull all of the beta testers aside and sit them down and have a stern talking to each and every one of them. Um, <laughs> Unless, of course, Frontier made a tweak in between its times, but I didn't get a chance to complete any passenger missions in beta, but I didn't have any issues, and I haven't had yet, um, learning to, to get out of the station. To be honest, the first station I went out of, I knew one of them would have brought some heat, so as I undocked, I boosted, and I didn't stop boosting until I jumped. So that was the, the issue. Um... I think it's obviously high risk. I think the balance is definitely wrong in that the station should not be involved with mm. shooting down your your wanted kind of I don't think that's fair because it is it's just loads of people who are quite happily going about their thing and they're prepared for interdictions and being hunted down by pirate hunters or potentially pirates who are hunting for a, a sort of normal clean political contact yeah. you're, you're carrying but it's nobody's expecting to come out the slot and then be scanned and instantly blown to smithereens so it seems to be that that definitely is one thing that needs to be tweaked looked at because you know why didn't the station blow itself up if it knew that the criminal was on board <laughs> i quite like that mental image because <laughs> that's the kind of reaction you're getting there um and maybe maybe we can get to a stage where the police response is more appropriate with future updates as opposed to, you're a criminal, I'm going to destroy you. It's like, hey, really? For 30 credit wanted status because I bumped another ship, you're going to blow me out of the sky. That's going to cost me 7 million credits. Surely it'd be better if I could sort of introduce maybe the bribery side of things as well so that, you know, the ship that scans you gives you an opportunity to either pay a penalty or surrender whatever it is. So, for example, if it's illegal cargo, you can surrender your cargo to that commander, to that scanning officer. And when it comes to passengers, you can surrender the passenger over to them and potentially claim the reward because there's a bounty on them. Um, which then should affect your ability to get criminals... Uh, missions in the passenger lounge. So, I mean, I think there's definitely room for more meaningful interactions with the NPCs as opposed to, Oi, you, stop, boom, ah, uh, shite. Yeah, because it also doesn't take into consideration the fact that you've got so many innocents. If it was just you and the guy that was wanted, then fair enough. And then, you know, before we had passenger missions, then that was fine. There was just you and, you know, either the illegal cargo or... You know, your illegal mission or whatever it is that you're you're doing. Now you've got a potentially 
you know, tens of uh, tens of people on that ship that are just innocent bystanders, tourists of all people, um, who the station have just literally blown out of the air and murdered. Um, which that oh. doesn't quite sit right either. That's what this, you know, that, that then that should be reflected in the station's newspaper, you know. <laughs> 17 innocent commanders, 17 innocent passengers were killed today as police blasted an innocent Beluga class ship out of the skies for harbouring the Lave's number one wanted um, commander. I, I couldn't come up with the name. <laughs> yes, well, Commander Stapleton. It does seem to sort of strike me as sort of the, uh, the we should just call it the Ed 209 protocol, because it's that sort of <laughs> level of <laughs> overkill. Yeah, and then again, here's another another possibility as well. So you've got a mixed, because you've, you know, you've tried to maximise the amount of stuff that you can get onto your ship. So you have, say, taken on a couple of luxury class passengers, you know, a very high important MP, all these kind of stuff. And then you've got the businessmen who are wanting to do something, you've got some sightseers. And then you've got this weird dodgy looking bloke that's going to take the economy cabin that you've got. So you're thinking, <laughs> excellent, I'm making a load of money. And then you take off. And as you're getting close to dropping off your luxury class messengers, the wee guy in economy pipes up, oh no, you're not getting him, mate. I'm holding them hostage unless you <laughs> drop... You know, there's loads of interesting gameplay that could come from mixing the types of passengers that you've got that could be really quite fun if somewhat bloody annoying. No, absolutely. I think you know, as a first iteration, it's great. And obviously it's a, it's a lot further on than uh, what we had in Frontier um in terms of the passenger missions there which is I mean, as i said many times uh i thought was some of the most uh, enjoyable parts of actually playing uh frontier um i'm not i'm not feeling it so much with this this round of uh, passengers but uh, i'm willing to keep on and stick at it and and see how it changes but uh probably i think the last thing we've got scribbled down on our notes here is the uh the passenger reward versus distance traveled uh issue now Again, I didn't play the beta, so I don't know what these missions were paying out in beta. Um, but they seem to be a little bit uh, undervalued in terms of time to money ratio. I can spend, I can earn a lot more doing uh, bounty hunting missions or trading or even just doing simple missions compared to what I'm getting paid to do massive distances over to Jax or to Sag A um, with these passenger missions. Do you know what they were paying in the beta for these grant? No, no, no idea. But we did have uh, one of the commanders in Twitch, who Tuplex, who says most of the issues with passenger missions were noted in beta. But I think they were sort of determined to be features. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. Um, So it's in which case it's, it's up to us then to feedback. Uh, obviously through the podcast, but obviously through uh, bug submission forms and on the forums uh, as well in terms of uh, in terms of things that maybe need to be tweaked. Um, yeah, suggestions. Because exactly. I mean, when we think back to how amazing the design decision forum was for the way that you could put your suggestions down in a way that kind of had that kind of flowchart feel so that you can see, you know, here's what I'd suggest and here's the kind of reactions it should get. There's so much potential. The the difficulty is obviously when you turn a game from flowing quite well between missions and the docking and stuff and you add in these nice features and they become a pain in the arse. 
like, you know, having a hostage situation on your own ship would be a pain in the arse. However, if you had out of cockpit, or was it going to be called elite feet? Um, elite legs? <laughs> elite feet. <laughs> Whatever they're going to call the out of cockpit one. Um, <laughs> if you could then slowly battle your way through your own ship and these economy class... <laughs> or even better, if you could scroll through your modules and go down to the economy room and vent it. <laughs> In fact, a lot of suggestions about that weren't there? I noticed on the Reddit, um, the Reddit thread that um, because of all these irritating re- requests, they want the ability to either eject people, mm-hmm. or just space them, or sell them into slavery. So <laughs> put um, the vent, or put the put the cryogenic freeze on them, and then stick them in a. Stick him in a canister. <laughs> but this came up at LaveCon. This was one of the questions um, that was asked at LaveCon because it was talked about, um, and I don't know if it hit in some of the previous games, um, that if you if you know, turned the air off or if anything happened to them, they became they went from slaves to being fertilizer uh, <laughs> or animal meat. The, you know, something changed about the um, the status of the uh, of the passenger. And when that was asked to the panel of devs at LaveCon, uh, Michael Brooks just basically turned around and said that the guy was a sick, sick individual and they would never do it. But I'm sure that came up in the DDF and I'm sure Michael Brooks even thought it was a good idea at one stage earlier on in the development going. They told us, because it was a whole the whole moral dilemma that we were talking about mm. in the DDF way back then, and it was about, you know, is that what's going to happen? They were talking about three different types of slaves as well, and we've only got two now. Um, and, yeah, there was a whole load of lore and explanation around slavery and being able to liberate slaves, which we can't, um, mm. which is something that would be, again, good. Uh, I think even using slaves and giving them, like passengers, giving them a... Identity, not so much by names, but maybe a political background, because I think it could be really interesting as a mechanic to take it to, say, a growing new population or a new station and to flood them with and release slaves of a particular faction, whether it be Imperial Federation, and you start releasing hundreds of thousands of federal slaves in that station that are slowly going to swing the politics. Um, and that okay, that's crazily complex, and obviously it's much easier if you just get there and you just turn off all the life support and uh, sell the animal meat. <laughs> yeah, and your um, your bus driver license goes uh, takes a pounding. Your you know, your uh, reputation for uh, passenger missions goes through the floor at that point. In 2008, they called it chump dumping. Chump dumping. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like it. Um, okay, well, that's turned into be um, quite a, a, a large rant. And just to give sort of a, the other side of it, um, uh, in the chat, JJ Smashing Pumpkins, good name, uh, in the, uh, the chat has said that actually long-range passenger missions do make money. Uh, he said he filled his condo, Conda up with, uh, with passengers and made $260 millions going to Jackson back, uh, which does sound quite appealing. Uh, but again... It's a, it's an anaconda as opposed to a beluga. So you haven't got any of the VIPs demanding that you go via Sajay just as you're <laughs> pulling in to Jax. Yeah, okay, well let's let's watch this space. And say it wasn't supposed to turn into quite a bigger rant as it seems to have. Um, we're still you know investing time in the passenger missions. We're still looking forward. Still happy they're here. Um, 
You're just passionate about it. Yeah, I, I want them to work. As I said, having <laughs> had so much fun with them in Frontier, this is the element of the game that I really want to. Uh, I really want to sort of get my teeth stuck into. So I'll keep persevering. I'm not around next week because I'm going to see Billy Connolly next week. Um, but in two weeks' time, uh, I'll come back and I'll report as to uh, what's happening with the Beluga. But um, anything else you guys want to touch on in that particular topic before we move on to uh, some of the community corner stuff? Well, yeah, there was one little thing that I wanted to touch on, and you've experienced it as well, and that is the loss of your first co-pilot. <laughs> because... Melanie Falls! <laughs> I'm afraid to say this has come up on, on Reddit as well, and there's a lot of... What's the emoji, little crying puppy? <laughs> <laughs> that they have lost They have lost their first pilot. It is not fair. They want them back. And I'm afraid to say is, yes, this is intended. They ain't going to change it because it's that XCOM uh, attachment that you have to your so to your soldier, uh, and you have your your attachment to your co-pilot, and and when you lose them, it's supposed to hurt. Um, one of the things about the Navecon soldier thing is, I think, uh, being able to uh, give them a custom name, be able to rename them yourself, actually allows you to build up more of a a connection to them. Is there any issues with being able to rename your co-command uh, co-pilots? <laughs> it doesn't appear anywhere else. Does it? Yes. <laughs> just uh, you're not angry with any X's or anything like that. You just want to rename them and send them on a suicide mission. I know. I know people X's. that would, it could be. You know, I know people. Bro, you, you know, it could be something for you know explicitness from Frontier. So what would be the issue with us being able to just rename them whatever we wanted? And then that way you can just rename them the same. So it could be Melanie Forbes, the first Melanie Forbes, the second Melanie Forbes, the third. Yeah. That way it might, might sort of get over some of the, the loss, but also give you a, a stronger sense of attachment. No, cause then it just feels like they're clones. They're not real people. You just clone them. <laughs> that, that's um, not right. It's, it's, it's not, you want, you want people to die for you, genuine individuals, not just the same old person. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because the rule of XCOM was never name your your players after who you know you care about because it was always heartbreaking to go and tell your kids that you know you know I know I told you that I added you to the game, but yeah. last night, <laughs> frankly, your your performance was shocking, so we left you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you naming things like, oh, look, Commander Fozza, he's my co-pilot. Oh, we're in trouble. Sorry, Fozza. <laughs> but, you know, I know what you're saying, but unfortunately there's that kind of the, the, the bizarre bit of editing the name would be the issue. Yeah. That's the bit where suddenly it becomes it's not part of the game anymore. So Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, okay, what about this then? So another way that XCOM really sort of you know, <laughs> gave you that lump in the back of the throat was the uh, the memorial wall, the memorandum, the memorandum. That's yes, it. I, know, <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you mean, Foz. And um, yes, it would be nice. However, I do think that your memorial wall would be take up more space than they've got in the blue yet. <laughs> but I mean, just think about it. When you get to, uh, as Grant says, once you get to elite feet. Uh, and you're walking around on your ship, so you go into the yeah, the crew area a bit, and you see just like in in Wing Commander, 
uh, you have a look at the board and you see all the people that have died along the way. I mean, granted, <laughs> I might have to sort of span out from the galley into some of the passenger cabins and then possibly into the fighter bay and to you know, the, the cargo. I'm going to use it as, as hull reinforcement. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that might be quite a nice touch. All the people that you've lost along the way. Oh, how come I've got the feeling of last posters playing in the background right now? How come they always use bagpipes? They always use bagpipes for those kind of memorial walls. True. Ah. It's true. Uh, although, in question, how many how many happy songs have you heard played on the bagpipes? Plenty. <laughs> It's always Amazing Grace, though, isn't it? That's another one that's always on uh, on bagpipes. Last post on bagpipes, Amazing Grace. If you're on a good funeral dirge, then uh, bagpipes are normally the uh, the instrument of choice. <laughs> oh, dear. Just because they were in Star Trek 2 when they buried Spock with them. Oh, but how, yeah. But then wasn't it Scotty playing them? <laughs> yeah, well, there's a first. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it was Scotty that was playing them in that film. Oh, yeah, he, he, would, he would have to be. Mm. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Let's um, let's wrap that up and talk a little bit about the, uh, the community corner. Let's let's uh, let's go out on a on a bit of a high. So, Colin, mm-hmm. so the RPG that we talked about last week. Yes, well, the RPG isn't as in much tr- as much trouble as uh, was made out. Um, it did appear that um, <clears throat> Mr. Hughes read it wrong. <laughs> you read the letter wrong and misunderstood that um, the thing was uh, was in a lot more trouble than it was. Uh, the good news is is it's still on for a release date of July next year uh, and uh, he's he's working on it right now and he, he's got the breathing space and he's, he's going to be able to put in some of the uh, new additions that have come in in the game in the last uh, six months or so. So, uh, back on track, um, hold your horses, uh, it'll be along at some point. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, basically how he misread it is he thought that um, Frontier were, were cancelling the licensing agreement and giving him a refund and then you know he could resubmit the same as everybody else to try and obtain a new license next year, which actually wasn't the case. It was just Frontier saying that they don't have the time to proofread it in the uh, the window that they originally given him. So what he can do is he can either you know, hand it in for a refund if he wanted to, or they can discuss uh, releasing it next year when the Frontier devs have actually got a little bit more time to actually spend on um, all the uh, the proof and editing and stuff of it, uh, which for some reason Dave completely missed out on that. Um, and I think that's the one that Dave's decided to go for, isn't it? So he's going to just basically talk to Frontier. And when Frontier have more time to... Um, to go over it sometime next year and he's got more time to finish it off then um then that's the uh, the plan but all the original the licensing from the kickstarter campaign that's still valid and that will come uh into play and he's saying that the the the, 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 the deadline he's given himself is this uh, deadline of july next year so all good really because uh, obviously he's had a few personal issues and we wish the guy well and give him a little bit more breathing space on this I don't think it's a bad thing at all. No, completely agree. Um, the other thing I'd like to do is I'd like to give uh, Brian a shout out because I was on the, I was watching his stream on the Space Junkie podcast, and as he was flying past Lave, I happened to mention uh, that I was uh, a member of Lave Radio, and he went, "Oh, Lave Radio, big fan!" So I'm giving him a, a shout out in return. 
<laughs> Speaking about shout-outs, I did promise that the first person to uh, to join us here at the Orange Sidewinder in game tonight would get a shout-out. Um, <laughs> it's not just that he's the first person, he's the only person to come and join us this evening. Uh, and that's a Commander M. Striker. So I don't know what your your real handle is or whether or not you're in Twitch, but uh, Commander M. Striker, thanks for popping along. Uh, you are the only person to come in and join us this evening, which is fantastic. Um, um, we did have a few people actually try to, but instancing did seem to get in the way. Ah, okay, so Commander M. Striker is the only person to break through the instancing wall. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, another episode of uh, Escape Velocity went out last night. Now, <laughs> when it comes to Escape Velocity, I obviously backed it on, uh, on Patreon, but what I'm doing is I'm storing the whole season up, and uh, my plan is to do it in a massive... Uh, one one sitting. So I don't want any spoilers, but uh, Colin Grant, I know you guys have uh, downloaded it. Was it a good episode? It was. The, it's um, maintaining the quality the, with the very high quality that that Chris is is running with. Um, I'm certainly enjoying the well. It's a surprise that happened last with the previous cliffhanger and this one. And all, all I can say about this is there are some things that some characters never learn from. <laughs> okay, I think that's pretty much vague enough for me not to have any spoilers on that. So I appreciate oh, see, I, that, Colin. I, I really liked the bit when I'm not going to do that to you. Folks. Shut up! Uh, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know when you talk about the quality level, it's it's higher than it was last season. Um, the, the sound effects and everything. It was. It's it's well, you know, when if you're going to put it up against professional, it's there. Uh, it's beyond professional, and in fact, you know. If you do enjoy that, you should check out some of the other bits and pieces that Radio Theatre Workshop have done, because it's all Chris Jarvis's, and I know that he has quite a few projects up there. There was the Forced Entry drama, which is a nice little short one, which is great. Uh, a bit of a horror story, that one, which I enjoyed. Yeah, what's spooky as hell? <clears throat> yeah, quite an interesting technique to that one. I quite enjoyed that. It was different, and yeah. The Escape Velocities are up there. The Chaos Reborn uh, Unicorn Murder, I think it was. Oh, sorry, a Unicorn Murder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're blooming, they're amazing. And, and, and you know, if they were released by a, a big company, they'd be like twice the price. And uh, it's just, get over there, check it out, and pick them up if you want to support them. And support them on his Patreon as well uh, for the Escape Velocity. A lot of us have, and... I don't think anybody is disappointed. <laughs> I think we're no, all no. more than happy with what we're getting. Yeah, I say yeah. I'm not disappointed. I haven't listened to any yet, but you guys have, uh, are keeping me uh, uh, pleased about my uh, my backing him on Patreon because, as I say, the the quality even from the first season has gone and up, up and up and up every time a new season come out. So I'm not surprised to hear that the latest ones even uh, even notch that bar up higher. Um, but yeah, oh, I can't wait. It's excellent. Now, I want to just do a quick check, because obviously we did the whole manuals and uh, real men don't read manuals rant that I had, only to find out that I was the only person that <laughs> doesn't read doesn't manuals. Read them. Um, hey, at least you don't sniff them. Jeez. No, that was that was That was, that was weird. That was weird. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to check one thing. So, just recently, obviously, we had the restart of the Walking Dead television series with a huge cliffhanger that had been going on for Craig, it seems like forever waiting for that cliffhanger to reach its um, result. 
Is it just me? And this is the obviously the, the question I am asking because I'm looking in chat there and we're kind of joking about escape velocity and, and, and kind of threatening to, to spoil. But is it just me that if I got the hint of somebody trying to jokingly or not suggest that they knew what the ending was to Walking Dead, that not only did you unfriend them, unfollow them, but you actually sought out somebody capable of putting a curse on them and their <laughs> families? Is it just is it just me that does that? So I mean, I'm looking here. We've got two two culprits. Let's call them in the Twitch chat. Um, who said, "Oh, there's that amazing bit where May said, Travis Henderson, I'm calling you out.' And Commander Sion, who would have guessed that May was a Thargoid? Ho ho ho! <laughs> I hope you catch something rashy and painful. Um, I don't know, obviously, but <laughs> it's it's just wondering if it is like you know, because my brother and I, we are. Um, we've watched so much crap over the years. I used to be a, an absolute regular at the Global Video X rental shop. And <laughs> we got through so many purchases there that we started to pick things by running time and certificate. <laughs> you didn't even bother reading what it's about. So I saw 101 different versions of horror films. And if you watched all these X rentals, when you got round to finally being able to watch The Exorcist, you kind of watched it and thought, well, I've seen that bit in another film, I've seen that bit. So you're so familiar with twists and turns and things, there's not much out there. So you really do relish a cliffhanger, and it's nothing winds me up more than someone just having a joke about it. You just really do. And I don't know, is it just me, or do you guys feel that way? No, absolutely. I'm I again. I'm a massive uh, watcher of uh, TV shows, and um, <laughs> okay, so mainly manly TV shows. So uh, obviously things like Westworld, Walking Dead, all of those things, uh, very high on the uh, people having theories and stuff like that. I try on the whole to avoid those. Although for the the Westworld one, I am actually listening to a podcast that goes into some of the the various sort of crackpot theories about that show, um, but. The, the latest one was having to stay off all social media last week uh, because I was a day late in watching the final of the Great British Bake Off, which meant that I obviously had to avoid all press, all mainstream press, all TV, uh, all papers. And I had to stay off social media all day until the evening when I'd actually watched uh, Bake Off. Uh, and came back onto Facebook at around about sort of half nine, ten o'clock in the evening, thinking, right now, now it's safe. Um, but I mean, it's, it's so it's so easy done because uh, the missus, uh, her plan was to watch Bake Off with me. She got up, she was uh, having a cereal. She put the news on, and what was it? BBC News. Naga Manchetti had the front page of the Sun open, uh, and the first thing it said was who'd won Bake Off. It's just so easy to get spoilers. Uh, these days i think i'm not sure if you can blame people on social media or whether or not you have to take some of the responsibility yourself and just stay away from it all <laughs> watch it watch it just said elias thane lost out to me in the final of <laughs> <laughs> it is it's one of these things where i think i think you do value um some things and you know like it used to be in a sunday and this is probably where my abject distaste and disgust it uh, fake spoilers or not comes from was my gran uh, oh you know who's has now recently passed away so it's not a problem we have 
at the moment. Um, <laughs> but every every Sunday, my brother and I, we used to love watching the Grand Prix, but you'd be out during the day, you'd miss the Grand Prix, and we'd record it to watch later on that night. And you could guarantee the first thing she said was, oh, wasn't that a shame? Wasn't that a shame for, and then named one of the drivers that had crashed out, and you would just face Pam on a regular, no, we don't want to know, we don't want to know, oh, but, but no, just shut up, just shut up, stop talking. And so I think it's where that comes from in me, and it probably is completely un- unreasonable, and Travis Henderson is suggesting that the part of the weekly show's fun was keeping up with the latest speculation uh, and binge watching is ruining that Fozza. binge watching you binger mm, yeah but also being able to binge watch I mean what was the last one Luke Cage was the last one I binge watched um, and the fact that you can binge watch it means that you you avoid any of those spoilers I mean, it's almost like a, a 14 hour movie um, right. these days but it does mean that you can just sort of you know, stay away from the spoilers and just engross yourself in the storyline in the way that the, the showrunners actually want you to, to do it. Well, um, this is <laughs> Travis, and it just reminded me of one where it was a cliffhanger in a TV series, and then it cuts to an advert on the television channel, <laughs> and it goes, coming up next, and you think, no, you just you just <laughs> spoiled it right there, you pains. <clears throat> so, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Gorman has made an entire routine out of this exact thing because um, it's, it's, it's on a minor scale where it's sort of a place in the sun uh, and there's always this little bit of a trailer beforehand where they sort of say uh, and they give you clues about where they're going to be but the continuity announcer will always tell you where they're going to be before this program even starts. <laughs> so <laughs> what's the point of trying to create a little sense of mystery well, it's just spoiled before it even starts. <laughs> oh, um, and Dave and Dave Gorman is is on my naughty list for doing the 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 whole shtick about Elite Dangerous. Now that well, I thought that was unfair. There were other there were uh, other video pro, video game promos he could have used instead that were far far worse. But so, he was right. He was right. Been, uh... oh, well, yeah, he might have been right, but there were ones that could have been better. I don't. I don't know this guy. Is this the guy from the Foo Fighters? <laughs> no, he's dead to me now, isn't he? <laughs> so you went with the name David and just went for it, Foz. That was good. No, Dave Grohl is the lead singer of the Foo Fighters. <laughs> That's right. Um, David Gorman, or David is you know Dave as we call him. He is your kind of very witty droll comedian who is also the inventor of the phrase Google Whack, who decided right. to do you know, kind of like almost like a lecture show, television show, where he would sort of hypothesize something and then see it through. So he had one where he decided he would live by his horoscopes and have his brother live by his horoscopes as a control to see whether or not it would make your life better or not. And these things are hysterical, or where he went around the world meeting all the Dave Gormans that he could um, in the world, which is brilliant. And then he had the Genius TV series, which was fantastic. He's just genuinely really, really funny, and in fact is coming back with a new series at the moment of uh, Life, Modern Life is Goodish, which is exactly what he did when he was having a go at games that advertise with not actual game footage um, in the <laughs> adverts. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Ah, well. 
Yes, a, a Google Mac, by the way, uh, Foz, just in case. It's not anything rude. It's just if you type something into Google and it is just a single entry is, a re- is, is the reply. Yeah. Yeah. Are there many of those? Um, no. at that point Dave Gorman was so it's you know combinations of words it's not a made up word it has to be sort of real words and or name and I can't remember we just came across one really recently that was a a Google hack but yeah you've got an awful lot of um, some real good comedy to catch up with that'll uh, make you laugh proper proper belly laughs Um, well, I'm quite. I'm laughing at the moment because uh, I'm being uh, beaten up by uh, Commander Candles and uh, Command. Actually, no, it's uh, Commander Ignatius Riley is uh, currently crashing into me with his uh, his asp, which is a bit harsh considering I'm only in a little Imperial fighter at the moment. Uh, I think he's still got something against you after last week, hasn't he? No, that wasn't uh, Ignatius Riley. That was um, uh, Andy. Was it Andy Wilson? Either way, uh, I still apologise profusely for shooting you as you were running away. Uh, anyway, let's move on swiftly to um, some of the other stuff we need to shout out. Cecil, so the HCC, HCC, the HSS, the HCS uh, voice pack uh, as done and performed by the wonderful David Pearson. Uh, the drunk Cecil uh, is available. It's one of the most advanced voice packs you can get. Um, check him out at HCS voice packs. I know last week, uh, David was doing a um, a how to install um, video and stuff and a, and a live stream for that. So check that out. Um, probably either at the HCS website or uh, is that the um, Hutton Orbital website? I'm sure you guys must have put a link up for that uh, one. It's on the Facebook page. I don't know if we put it up on the website as yet, but definitely on the HCS website and um, may not be compatible with Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> um, so go and check that out. It's a it's a really good voice pack, uh, and it supports the community. It's uh, it, it's great fun. Uh, and again, just another community shout out. There is a a competition uh, that we've been asked to give a quick plug to, and that's the New Grand System Hunt by um, oh, who's these guys? It is the let's have a quick look. It is the Order of the Shadows Grand System Hunt. Uh, <laughs> And uh, this is a uh, screenshot. Careful when you say that, you really do. <laughs> it's a screenshot um, competition uh, based around the uh, Colonia uh, bubble um, to try and find the most spectacular uh, system that's in that sort of area. Uh, if you want all the details of it, you can go to tinyurl.com forward slash shadow hunt. You have to be careful how you say that as well. Uh, tinyurl.com forward slash shadow hunt. Um, there are prizes to be won uh, for first, second, and third place winners in that competition. Uh, and they will include paint packs, paint jobs, and a ship kit. Ship kit. Uh, Whoa. Again. Whoa. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Check that out uh, on the forum thread, which again you can find at tinyurl.com forward slash shadowhunt. Now, I think we should probably draw a line under this episode because it's not getting any better. Uh, no, I think you need a tongue transplant. That one doesn't seem to fit anymore. <laughs> uh, anything else that you guys want to shout out before I close the show? Oh, strangeness in Space is up running another, um, what do you call it? Uh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter. 
to fund his last two episodes, just in case anyone's interested or listened to it. It's quite a good podcast, actually. I, I didn't enjoy it at first, but in the, in the last episode there, there were so many horrific, horrific puns. I love it. <laughs> and this is obviously the guys, uh, Pink Custard, uh, who do this one, yeah? Yep, Sophie Aldred, uh, Trevor and Simon, and a whole range of um, other members of the cast, including the likes of Rufus Hound. Um, it is a bit silly, it is a bit kind of Hitchhiker's Guide in places, um, except without the copyright issues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Oh, and where can they check that out? Just uh, Google Strangers in Space? Absolutely. If you go to Kickstarter, you can search for strangeness, yeah, and it should bring it up. Uh, if you search for strangers in space, then it might work as well. Um, but it's relatively uh, just started yesterday, I think, and I think it's one fifth of the way, possibly a third of the way through its total. Oh, and I think Kate Russell's still got her Kickstarter running as well. Ah, that's um, what I was going to mention, but you sorry. go ahead. <laughs> just while we were on Kickstarters, which is obviously for the audiobook version of. Practical Bookkeeper's Guide. Bookkeeper's Guide. Bookkeeper's yes. Guide yeah, to Practical. No, a magical practical. Wi- <laughs> the Wizarding Accountant. That's what it is. Hold on, let's do this properly. Let's actually get the. Because uh, <laughs> I have backed it. So it'll be quick enough for me to, uh, to log in. You talk amongst yourselves while I log in. <laughs> I just try to think because there was. Um, oh, crikey. There was. Uh, oh, no. My head's gone. Head's gone. Um, but yes, it was good. These Kickstarters—they're too much fun at this time of year. And unfortunately, you know, I've got a weakness. Well, this is yeah, and I'm the same. I think both you and I needed an intervention at one stage in terms of Kickstarters and Indiegogo. Uh, I have stopped backing everything on Indiegogo. Uh, I'm done with just, Indiegogo. I yeah, have right. wasted. Um, but uh, I'm still just as bad for. Um, for Kickstarter, if I'm honest. Why um, would I spend so much on a book that I wouldn't buy? I don't <laughs> understand. So um, let's just give you a quick update to, uh, to Kate's Kickstarter. She ha- she is doing exceptionally well, and I can't see this one uh, having a problem actually hitting its target. So it is a bookkeeper's guide to practical sorcery, and it's the audiobook version. And it's currently sitting at... Uh, 93 backers and £3,485 out of its £6,100 gold. And it's got 18 days to go. So uh, I think it's probably uh, a safe bet that that's going to be uh, funded. But if you haven't checked it out, uh, go and check it out now. Um, and again, you know, for those people who have listened to Kate's work in the past, uh, you know that she, she's a great writer. And the person she's got reading it is a guy from the Archers called Charles Collingwood. So, <laughs> I'm sure most of us will be used to the archers, but yeah. So he's got, he's a great voice talent, uh, and that looks like it's going to be uh, quite a good project. So go and check it out on Kickstarter: A Bookkeeper's Guide to Practical Sorcery. It's one that I can listen to when I'm doing my walk. So when I say it's a book I would buy, I was being a little bit facetious. Because <laughs> the wonderful thing about Kickstarter is being able to support friends and things and to have that inside line in these projects because, oh crikey, my bookshelf is now covered in books that are just so special now, you know, that you just, uh, 
I, could, I mean, I'm addicted to books at the best of time. Um, but when you when you've got these ones with things that you feel part of, it really changes your emotional attachment to those books. And then, of course, I'll pass away. My kids will chuck them out in a flipping charity <laughs> shop, and it'll all be over. Um, but while I'm here, I can enjoy that fact that you know, wow, I helped make that happen. Oh, I helped make that one happen. And uh, that is the addictive side, I think, of Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio Massive. Thank you to Grant and to Colin for joining me on the show this evening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, and we are at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join our Discord chat channel by going to tinyurl.com forward slash Lave Radio. And if you want to join us on TeamSpeak, you can. We are laveradio.com forward slash Oh, who's got rid of our TeamSpeak thing? There it is. It's teamspeak.laveradio.com. And, of course, we record this show. We try and record this show, being the professionals that we are, live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 uh, UK time. And we stream it out on laveradio.com forward slash live. Thanks for all of those guys who've tuned in on Twitch and on the IRC channel and for those people that have joined us in-game outside the Orange Sidewinder. Until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. News Digest, 1st of November 3302. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news. Bring me the head of Admiral Petraeus. Ancient ruins discovered. Ancient life discovered. And it turns out they're fun guys. Bring me the head of Admiral Petraeus. One-time Senator Lady Kahina Loren is beginning a life sentence in Kunz Asylum in Daebo after being found guilty of the attempted assassination of Admiral Denton Petraeus. 
The trial heard how Rebel Loren, who styles herself Salome, commissioned two unidentified assassins to bring her the head of Admiral Petraeus. In fact, Loren's words are believed to have been slightly different. She said she wanted Petraeus's head on a platter, which might be interpreted as meaning that she was angry with the Admiral and wanted him brought to justice. But that doesn't make such a good story. And if you must go around calling yourself Salome and asking for heads on platters, you deserve all you get. After the verdict was announced, Lady Loren was stripped of her remaining title and is now plain Kahina Loren. Princess Ashling Duval welcomed the sentence, describing Loren as deranged. She said that now Loren was locked up, the galaxy was a safer place. Admiral Petraeus said that they that sow the wind shall reap the whirlwind, thus exhibiting a simultaneous lack of understanding of meteorology and farming. Ambassador Cuthric Delaney, the governor of the prism system, expressed his dismay at the verdict and said that he still believed that Loren was innocent. The children of Raxla, a rebel group that uses Loren as a figurehead, is said to have been committing hit-and-run assaults on the Imperial fleet in response to the Loren verdict. A Majestic-class capital ship is believed to have been badly damaged in the Etioensis system and was forced to make a tactical retreat to avoid injuring innocent bystanders. A sentence in Kun's Asylum is considered by many to be a one-way ticket. One thing you can be sure of, we won't be hearing much more about Kahina Loren. Ancient Ruins Discovered Forget your barnacles. Forget your unknown artefacts and unknown probes. Forget your crashed alien scout ship. How about ancient alien ruins with extensive earthworks, mysterious structures and obelisks complete with moving parts and glow-in-the-dark features. Discovered in the past week by Commander X-Death, the ruins are on a planet in the Snuf XRHD11102 system. Although the earthworks are highly reminiscent of ancient Roman forts, the Roman Empire is not believed to have extended much beyond the Sol system. It therefore seems highly likely that these structures are of alien origin. A possible use has already been found for the structure. Commanders have found that it's possible to play SRV football using some of the detachable ancient wonders, with the earthworks used as the pitch. Meanwhile, less frivolous commanders are investigating the rows of short, three-sided obelisks. It's believed that there may be a hidden message in their arrangement because aliens really want us to find them. Alien life discovered, and it turns out they're fun guys. There's another new kid on the block for xenophiles. Commander Alessia has found strange conical life forms on Colonia 3CA. These lifeforms are apparently called Animula Spires and bear features with interesting names such as Cordycep Growth, Mucidian Seed Pod, Polyporous Growth and Flume Excretion. 
Cordyceps is a fungus, as is polyporous. Phloem is the equivalent of blood in plants. It seems therefore likely that these alien life forms are similar to fungi. They are not, unfortunately, purple tentacles. That would be cool. And that's this week's Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to.